someone's mindset is is everything you know if you have a negative mindset and a very jaded mindset a very cynical mindset um, you know, you're just gonna keep attracting negative energy to you I, I'm a firm believer in positive energy positive vibrations and that the frequency that you're operating on attracts other things and other people and other opportunities that are on that frequency so if you're always stuck in a negative you know, what was me mindset you're never gonna get out of sort of that, that off of despair welcome to unstoppable the podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of profounding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people. Those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. I am so excited to have Dominic Vogel on the show today. He is a well-respected cybersecurity leader, appearing on media news outlets across North America and internationally on BBC World News. He is the founder and chief strategist at CyberSE and host of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast, a highly regarded podcast that explores the intersection between cybersecurity and business. Dominic focuses much of his energy on providing strategic security leadership to technology startups and small to mid-business businesses to proactively solve their cyber risk challenges. And one of my most favorite things about Dominic is that he is a self-professed positive troll on social media and in person and believes in the awesome power of, of uplifting others. And honestly, that is truly how I even met Dominic to begin with, is his amazing and awesome, is his word, his positivity. Thank you so much for joining us on the Unstoppable Podcast, Dominic. Karina, thank you so much for having me on, on this awesome show. Really looking forward to what I know will be an absolutely epic conversation, my friend. Well, I am obviously very excited to have you on the show. And... Um, you know, as I was looking at your background with cybersecurity and all of your accolades and the things that you do, and just you as a person, truly you have you have done things in such a very unique way, in such a positive outlook, and utilizing that as your catalyst for success. So I would love for our listeners to know and understand what or maybe some things has happened in your life for you to realize that you are unstoppable to achieve these goals that you have. Uh, that's a really, really good question, Karina. You know, I, I, I'd say there's there's probably two key moments, I'd say, in, in my life that really helped me realize that there was an opportunity to just be an unstoppable force and unstoppable force of, of, of goodness <laughs> that I felt. I mean, the, the, the first one is that um, growing up, my um, my mom has dealt with mental health challenges much of her life. And I had to you know, um, grow up in, in a household where um, you know, my mom 
had to deal with that. And that was, that was very, very difficult, you know, and uh, as a family, we got through that, you know, and I, I recognized early on that as a family, if we were able to be unstoppable in the face of uh, a terrible mental illness, that um, not much else could, could, could slow me down, you know? So that was a lesson I learned probably as a 10 or 11 year old, when we first were faced with that, that, that gave me a lot of positive energy moving forward uh, when I was growing up. Uh, the second one I'd say was more so in my, um, I guess in my in my profession, my early days as I was leading up to my profession, was in uh, my university days uh, where I was studying uh, computer science, and I was just struggling mildly in, in one of my first courses. And the professor at the time he came up to me and he said, "You know what? Maybe you should try something else. Maybe this isn't for you." And um, I, in my heart, I knew I wanted to go into this profession. I know I knew that I, I could do this. And I wanted to do it. Um, and that too, again, what I'd say was a, a turning point of unstoppable, uh, unstoppable awesomeness where I tapped down, I doubled down and I realized that you know, I could give up now, or I could just unleash that sort of inner awesomeness and move forward. And I did, you know, and, uh, um, I could have given up. I could have ended up in an, another career. Um, you and I may not have ended up crossing paths. So I look back at those, those two moments, uh, as sort of being defining unstoppable moments in, in, in my timeline. That is truly a very powerful statement in regards to, well, both situations, but first as a child having to overcome this, I'm sure at the time, even more so, I mean, we talk about mental illness today, but I I remember that, you know, when I was an adolescent, it was really not talked about. It was very much shamed and looked down upon. And the fact that you have been able to turn the narrative and shed light on the positivity and how people can overcome this and become a positive, optimistic person, you know, that's remarkable in itself. So do you mind? I want to dive into a little bit about, you know, how you even started with um, cybersecurity and those challenges. But you know, would you mind sharing with us just a little bit about your background, where you came, um, where you came from, where where you live, and everything? Of, of course, Karina. I, you know, I'm uh, I'm uh, based in, in Vancouver, Canada, fiercely West Coast, um, hence the LA Dodgers hat. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it, I've, I've grown up here. Uh, I've lived here my whole life. Um, you know, Van- Vancouver is 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 my uh, Heart and home, I always like to say, and you know, growing up here has, has been you know, uh, very wonderful that that way. Vancouver is a very unique area of the world. Uh, it's a, a cultural melting pot. Uh, so many different uh, faces, uh, uh, different identities. Uh, I think it, it's a very diverse and very uh, tolerant area, part of the world that I think really helped shape me as a as a, as a person. You know, like I said, I, I look at other places in in the world, and I, I won't names right now but uh like I, I look at where i grew up and it gave me the ability to form amazing relationships right to see everyone um, for the good that they have in them regardless of uh you know, background or experience or or race uh or ethnicity uh, or gender um there's so just so much amazing positivity to tap into when we think about the, the uh, unleashing human potential and i i owe much of that to, to growing up here in, in vancouver and um you know talking more about you know, growing up with a, a parent that had mental illness, you know, or has mental illness. Um, you know, I've, I've often 
growing up, I didn't, we didn't really talk about it much. You know, it was somewhat of a family secret. Uh, we didn't talk about it. I was a very reserved person growing up. Um, it's only been probably in the past few years where I've recognized the, the value in speaking very authentically and vulnerable, uh, from a vulnerable position about it. And I also recognize as well that if I hadn't experienced that or gone through that, um, I may not have developed life skills like empathy and being an active listener. Um, there's a good chance that I'm not the version that I am today. And, um, you know, I, I like who I am today, you know, and, um, you know, as, as sad as it was that my mom has to endure that, there is positive light in that and that, that shaped who I am today, you know, and I, I am grateful for that. Obviously I wish she didn't have to endure mental illness. Uh, but you know, like I said, I think recognizing that in any situation, regardless of how dire it is or how difficult it is, um, there are positive elements in that, that, that we need to embrace and to understand, um, uh, what, what those positive lessons are and to f further augment them and, and allow them to really spark and grow in, in the long run. Absolutely. And I think that so many of us forget that, you know, what truly shapes us as an individual shapes us in business, right? We are really always thinking about the analytical part of learning and, you know, executing and providing a service or a product. And you think about well, who's the person behind it? Is it somebody who's ethical? Is it somebody who has empathy? Is it someone who has compassion and love? And, you know, is um, someone with integrity or is it someone who's narcissistic? Is it someone who's selfish? And so many of these things that we go through in life, they shape you either for the better or for the worse. And, you know, you said it perfectly where if you wouldn't have gone through what you have, you wouldn't be the person you are today, which means you wouldn't be the person in business that you are today, which is a, you know, somebody who's an advocate with cyber security and, you know, with positivity and wanting to bring awareness um, to the community in regards to that. Um, so what it's funny because I think about cybersecurity and I'm just like, I don't even know. It's like above my head. Of course, you know, I've learned about cybersecurity and it's extremely necessary, but um, the ins and outs of it, right? Like, I feel like I'm kind of on the tail end where I'm a millennial, but I'm like borderline because I'm almost 40. And um, now all of our listeners know how old I am, but <laughs> so, you know, what, what made you have that desire? Because honestly, I feel like you're, you are onto something that is literally going to just explode even more so that we're doing everything on, um, in technology with crypto and high tech and, you know, everything is on our phones, our computers. And so what was that for you that made you think, I'm going to do that? This sounds like a really great idea. <laughs> well, I, I do like sharing my origin story, Karina, and uh, I'll out myself as well. Uh, I'm a very early millennial, so you and I are pretty similar in, in age. Um, so uh, <laughs> we're from that first onset of millennials. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, in, in terms of my origin story, I mean, this goes back to uh, my last years in high school in which um, you know, I knew I wanted to do something with technology. And this is in the late 90s or early 2000s. And um, my, my dad was a longtime computer science high school teacher. Um, and so I, I grew up with 
you know, technology. You know, I was, um, I, I knew how to, I was one of the few people who knew how to type, you know, as a, as a, as a child, like typing still wasn't really taught in schools to, to, too much as it, as it is, you know, and, uh, um, my dad brought home this big stack of tech magazines because he would get them for free. You know, the people would uh, mail them to the school and he said, there's gotta be something in here that interests you, you know, and I was flipping through all these tech magazines, um, which, um, you know, and I always tell people that even though, because I work in security, a lot of people think, Oh, this guy's a geek. I'm actually not. <laughs> I, I'm one of the least geeky, uh, security people out there. Like I don't geek out on new technology or things. What really spoke to me though, was I found this magazine in this massive stack and it was called information security, you know, and that was in, this, in the early days, it was referred to that cybersecurity ended up being sort of the cooler, you know, marketing name that that stuck. Um, but information security it really was very interesting. I read this magazine cover to cover. Um, and I do have it somewhere in the mess that is my home. But uh, it, 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 what I found super cool of it was that it was a blend, a blend of technology, a blend of people, and a blend of risk management. And I thought that was super, super interesting. Right? The concept of risk always fascinated me uh, for whatever reason. I can't answer that. But I always find that very, very interesting. Uh, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn more about this. I'm going to study more about this. And I, I ended up going through a computer science degree here in Vancouver. Uh, but this was still early days. Cybersecurity was still fairly nascent at the time. And it wasn't really taught in my in the four-year degree that I, I went through. So I did a lot of self-learning. And uh, learned about that. And my first job out of university was working as a security analyst um, or security administrator, I should say, for a large logistics company. And I just worked my way up uh, the corporate ladder, you know, and uh, it was something like I said, I just, the thing that I came really in tune with over the, especially the past probably five, seven years is that I really enjoy talking about cybersecurity to non-technical people, mm. to non-security Perfect. I actually hate talking like you. <laughs> I hate talking cybersecurity to other security people and other technical people uh, because they like to tear other people down. But uh, I really I feel that I I have a good skill set in which I like taking something that is seemingly complex and through analogies and storytelling and at least mm -hmm. somewhat of a upbeat personality, making it come alive or at least making it resonate with people uh, in terms that they'll understand that, that they'll care about. And, you know, I think about myself as a business owner now running cyber SC as an advisory company, the people that we deal with, the people I talk to on a day-to-day -day basis, they're small and mid-sized business owners, right? They are executives in SMB, mm -hmm. in the SMB community, right? They may work in a manufacturing company. They may uh, run a law firm. They may run a small accounting firm, right? Cybersecurity to them is whatever they've seen on the six o'clock news. And I love that ability to be able to connect with them and share why it's something that they need to focus on, right? Speaking in terms of risk or impact or how that can uh, unlock potential future growth as a, as a digital organization. Mm -hmm. Speaking those terms and seeing light bulbs go off in people's head when I talk about it that way, that's extremely gratifying. That's far more interesting than talking about hacking and all the ones and zeros that go into protecting things. <laughs> Well, so for some of our listeners who may not really fully understand cybersecurity, what would you, how would you explain it to someone who's like, what does that mean? I, I feel like I understand cybersecurity just in what it says, cybersecurity, right? It's protecting something in the cyber world. How would you explain it? Because I feel like it is, it's actually really crucial for um, people to really understand cybersecurity, like I said, with um the evolution of times and how things are progressing down, everything becoming this digital world. 
we have to really understand what and how important it is to have cybersecurity that's, you know, within our businesses backing us up. Yeah, no, and, and, and it's it's a question I love answering in some, somewhat of, of, of uh, analogies or dispelling myths, you know, because you're absolutely, absolutely right, Karina, like at its root cybersecurity, we're talking about basically securing, you know, the digital world, right, securing um, digital assets in a very uh, interconnected and digital world, right, that, that's a very straightforward uh, explanation. But uh, I always like to cut to the chase of why does it matter? Why does it matter for you as a small business owner? Why should you as an executive in SMB care about cybersecurity? Because a, a lot of the myths or why we don't care about cybersecurity is what I find really interesting. People will say, uh, you know what, we're, we're a small target. No one's going to come after us. Um, I would say, well, that's if this was 1995 or heck, even 2005, you're absolutely right, right? The majority of cyber attacks were focused on, on large organizations, enterprise organizations. But this is 2022. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of cyber attacks globally are actually focused on the SMBs. Uh, and reason being is that the vast majority of small and mid-sized organizations have un undergone massive digital transformation over the past decade. But they they clung to myths of the past where they thought well, we're not targets for uh, for cyber attacks, so they didn't really build in cybersecurity from the ground up, and in a very uh, data rich um, environment that we all live in now with with organizations, if you think about it, every organization in some shape or uh, uh, another is a digital company. I always jokingly say that unless you're selling tacos out of the back of your mom's Volvo and all cash deals, you're a tech company. You're a digital yes. company. Right. Um, like I said, this isn't 1995. And I even uh, I uh, tell people that you know, concepts such as ransomware. So for your viewers and listeners who aren't familiar with that, ransomware is basically like kidnapping of the 21st century. That's where your your systems, your computers, your data are held for ransom and by cyber criminals pretty much anywhere in the world. In order to regain access to that, you have to pay a digital ransom, often in the form of uh, cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Um, this right now ransomware is ripping apart small and mid-sized businesses right across the world. Uh, and in, partic in particular, in the areas where I focus on in, in North America and Canada and the U.S., um, we're fielding dozens of calls every day when it comes to organizations being hit by ransomware. And it's because they're just not prepared. And the reason mm -hmm. being that they're clinging to, basically, like I said, myths of the past, where they think a hacker is a pissed off teenager wearing a hoodie in their mother's basement. <laughs> That's again, true in 1995. Yeah. That is not true circa 2022 and certainly not going uh, into the future. Uh, people may, or people may even say, I don't have any sensitive data. No one's going to come after us. Again, that's like a misconception. Sensitive data in the past meant stuff like social security numbers or financial information. Mm -hmm. But if you think again about a company in this day and age, if you can't access your, let's say maybe your critical customer list or critical data that your organization needs on a daily basis to function, that's important to you. There's value in that to, to you and your organization. Criminals know that. Even if it's not important to someone outside your organization, your business will grind to a halt if you lose access to that. So there's value there to, to you. So if you lose that access, cyber criminals know that at some point you'll pay to regain access to that. Maybe it's after three hours, maybe it's after six hours, right? Maybe it's after three days. I don't know, it depends. It's different for different organizations. Again, it's, it's, to me, it's all about myth shattering and yeah. really helping people realize that it's 2022. Every organization needs to take cybersecurity seriously. It, it needs to be interwoven in the fabric of your organization. Otherwise, you're not going to be in business for, um, over the near run.
I 100% agree. Um, you know, as I'm learning more in regards to cybersecurity and just the digital world itself, um, you know, you're, you're, I'm personally recognizing more how, you know, it's really, there's a protection that goes beyond just what you think of is, you know, your bank accounts and your social security number, right? There's so many more other transactions that we do. And if you're a business owner, this is like one of the things that you truly need to focus on. So absolutely. I'm... Sorry, I just want to add one more thing to that. Actually, yeah, yeah, something. of course, go for it. You. But, uh, the other thing, which uh, again, circling back to risk, and especially as a business owner, understand that any business owner or executive, they deal with risk, right? So your business has operational risk, financial risk, personnel risk, cyber risk needs to be treated as a risk. If you as a business owner say cybersecurity, that's up to the IT team or the IT guy, mm -hmm. you're doing it wrong, right? It's a risk. You need to give it the governance and oversight that you would with any other risk facing your organization. Sorry, back to you. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. You're good. You just, you literally got my, my mind wheels turning, but I don't want to forget what I was going to ask you. So <laughs> I will put that pin in it. So I wanted to kind of go back though, because I love what you had said at the beginning when you said that your professor was basically trying to detour you away from what your, your, in, your intuition, your heart, what you wanted to do and saying, oh, maybe this isn't for you. So obviously you graduated and you decided, I'm just going to continue to pursue this. What did you do next? What was the next steps for you to, you know, become this unstoppable cybersecurity guru? Well, you know, it, it's, it's fine because I, I tell people that there, there was, there were two versions of me, right? There was corporate me who I always, that, I thought that was going to be me. And when I graduated, I thought, you know, I'm going to work my way up the corporate ladder, go into a financial organization, you know, eventually become in charge of cybersecurity, which I did. Um, and I, you know, I, I just worked solely focused on that. I never really developed myself as a person or explored other avenues of my personality or my capabilities. And when I got to that peak, what I felt was going to be a peak, um, I was miserable. I was jaded. I was cynical. Uh, my wife didn't even recognize me. She said, you know, you're just a miserable human being, you know, and I, I thought, why did I work so hard to get here? You know, when uh, I felt that I couldn't be myself, I was jokingly said that there was work me and then mm -hmm. there was real me. You know, I would always yeah. be told, you know, if I was going to be talking to executives, Dawn, make sure you have, you know, your beard's neatly trimmed, right? You can't, uh, you know, wear the suit and tie, that type of thing. And, um, you know, I, um, as, as an aside, one of the things I've loved about the pandemic is that I haven't had to put a suit on in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a leisure wear guy, right? I'm a ball cap guy. That's that's who I am. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, I, I made this decision, and this is going back almost eight, I believe it's eight years this coming August, in August 2022, when uh, I realized that I, I needed to be true to myself. I wasn't happy. Um, the person that I thought I was wasn't actually me. So I left to become an entrepreneur and that was never in the cards. That was never part of my game plan. I struggled to spell the word entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I, um, eight years ago when I started, I thought, you know, what it is that I want to do. I love security. I love helping people, but I want to do so on terms that make me happy and I mm -hmm. can choose who I get to work with and who I get to help. Um, so I, I, I embarked on this sort of this personal transformation over the past eight years where I went from being a very self-centered, um, singularly focused person who only thought of himself as a security person and then explored other 
venues, like I said, of my personality and of my psyche. I, I learned that I like public speaking. I learned that I love developing new friendships and developing relationships. Um, up until my mid twenties, I only had one friend, you know, um, I was not someone who'd invested heavily in relationship building or believed in the power of uplifting others. These are all things that I've explored over the past few years and have now recognized that the current version of me is a, a version I'm very blessed to have found. I never thought that version ever existed. You know, I was jokingly saying that work me will never see the light of day again. It's buried <laughs> in my backyard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's been truly a, a, a gift that way to, 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 to go through that, you know, and um, as, a, as, a, as a business owner, and like I said, for me, when it comes to security, one of the things I truly love is really humanizing it, right? For a lot of, again, non-security, non-IT people, security is something which seems to be a very technically focused discipline. You know, and I've, the thing I love about platforms like LinkedIn is where I can just be me. I can show that, you know, here's me struggling to be an active working dad. Here's me talking about um, uh, mental health uh, or mental illness uh, uh, challenges. Here's me talking about other things that are near and dear to me and just being an authentic human. That has allowed people to recognize that security people aren't just all, you know, arrogant pigs. Yeah. They're actually enjoyable. It can be fun people to, to work a, a, a alongside, you know? So to me, by going through that journey um, has allowed me to become an even better security professional. I, if I'd stayed in corporate, I don't think I would have been the, the, the security professional that I am today. So how many years were you in corporate before you said, I'm done? So, <laughs> so I, I was in corporate uh, seven, almost eight years. Um, you know, and, and probably the, 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 it was the final few years that broke my back. Uh, and the thing that I, I'm a big you know proponent of is recognizing as well as that. And, you know, it's a fairly common saying that, but people often don't leave the workplaces. They leave bad bosses. Yes. You know? And, um, it was at the time a difficult decision because I truly did enjoy the people I worked with. Um, and, uh, but it just, it was a very toxic environment and I wasn't happy. Um, and in, in turn, being in a toxic environment made me a very toxic human being, um, which I didn't realize it's right? you know, if you're mm -hmm. in the swamp, I mean, you don't realize that that makes you a swamp creature <laughs> at times, you know, so um, it was something, like I said, that I wasn't really fully expecting to ever fully explore, mm -hmm. you know, and, but I, I look at it now as a tremendous gift because I recognize that if that hadn't happened, um, if I hadn't had that leap of faith. Um, there's so many friendships, so many amazing human beings like you that I would, I may not have had the chance to form a li lifelong friendship with. And, uh, I look back and think about over the past eight years, the most amazing thing hasn't necessarily been, hasn't been necessarily growing a business or you know, getting clients, um, or having better income than when I worked in corporate. Um, the most amazing enduring thing is the, is the friendships I formed along the way, right? Those are going to, those will test the, 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 those will go over, over, over the years. And those will just be amazing relationships that will just keep giving back for, for years to come. You know, what's really amazing is that the consistency I keep hearing from other entrepreneurs who are very successful and have been also on my podcast, they all say the same thing. It is so much when they start their business. It's so much more than just a service or a product or, you know, what they've created. It There is more depth to it. And that has really, I feel like, because I even practice that in, you know, my company and my branding and myself as an individual, is that I view being somebody to create 
a solution for problems. And I want to do it in a very authentic and genuine way that can help people um, feel like they trust me, even maybe, you know, giving me an opportunity, a chance. And I feel like I really learned that when I was in the restoration industry for, um, you know, 10 plus years. And, you know, it's a very, um, it's an industry that's looked at like, um, there's people with not integrity and, you know, a lot of dishonesty. And I mean, I've seen in situations where, you know, people are just so desperate to make a sale that they will basically like pour water, right? More water on an area where, you know, maybe it was already a little bit wet, but they're going to make sure that it's saturated. So, you know, when I'm working in this industry where people are looking at it and kind of like scrutinizing it because they know how um, dishonest it is, I was like, I'm going to change this perception. I'm going to change people's idea of what it means to work with in a restoration company and that people, there are people who are, you know, full of honesty and people who are genuine. And that's where I kind of had that epiphany where it was like, if you look at it as more than just a service and you're giving back to your community, you're giving back to those that you are working with, you're going to get it back tenfold, in my opinion, and your growth is going to be, you know, significant. Um, so I, I want to just talk about a little bit when it comes to you switching over from corporate to um, becoming an entrepreneur. It sounds like you were already married or, you know, you have you started a family, you're married, so you're providing for a family, um, you know. Did, when you quit, did you go straight into becoming an entrepreneur or did you kind of like sit for a second and think about it? Or how, how did that look like for you? Yeah, you know, and, and at the time, um, I had, uh, my daughter is now 11, was I guess four at the time uh, or five. And, um, you know, it, it was something which I, I quit fairly quickly, I just reached a breaking point and I didn't really have a game plan for, for after, you know, and, um, as, as the single, uh, being the single source of income for the family, you know, that was probably not a well thought out strategy at the time. But, um, uh, what happened was I, I reached out to a, a friend of mine, who was a recruiter, and he'd been in my ear for, for years saying, you know, you're getting screwed at corporate, right? You, you can be getting paid way more as an independent contractor. So I called him up and I said, Hey, you know what? I quit. If you're the great recruiter that you claim that you are, you know, get me something that I can go back home with and say, hey, you know, I, I now I'm sort of an independent contractor. And he said, yeah, just give me an hour or two and I'll, I'll get on that. And yeah, he, he found me a, a, a remote contract, which was fairly rare at the time. Um, and I was able to spend sort of that first year really focusing on what it meant to be an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. Who was it I wanted to serve? What were those services going to look like? Were there specific categories? How was I going to reach out to people? Um, you know, so it, it gave me the time and space necessary to build that. So I did have cl other clients in that first year, but it allowed me, like I said, to really jumpstart that that second year. You know, and I, I was very grateful and very very lucky in, in hindsight to have had that opportunity to have at least had the uh, timeline to be able to launch something. Uh, into, like I said, you know, CyberSC became much more of an organization in, in its second year of existence. Um, but that, that's what was sort of my, my strategy. Was like I said, it gave me the time and space necessary 
to focus on what I wanted to do and who I wanted to help. Um, those were key questions to answer very early on. <laughs> so it sounds like you just kind of bit the bullet and you're like, I'm hoping that all works out well. And I mean, obviously, I feel like that's the thing is the universe is, tells us all the time, if you take the leap of faith, I will show you the next step. But so many people, so many of us are just so scared to rip off the Band-Aid, so to speak, to see, you know, what is on the other side. And that that fear is what caps us from being able to take those scary moments and realizing that they're not as scary. Do we have to work really hard? Yes. But if you fear working hard, then being an entrepreneur is not for you. <laughs> right. But <laughs> You know, I feel like fear caps so many people. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because so many people think that they have to have all their ducks in a line. And you know what? In a perfect world, yes, right? You've got the nest day. You've got it all like planned. You have that perfect business you know, plan that you've got set up and you're like, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit on March 13th and then I'm going to start having clients on March 26th and it's all going to be perfect. <laughs> and I've got all that, you know, dollars in alignment. And the reality is, is that's really not how... Well, that's not how life is, and that's not really how entrepreneurialism is, especially when you start up, right? And 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 you, and you're wanting to create something that's totally different. It's the universe really wants us to see: Are you willing to take the risk? Because if you yes. are, then I'm going to show you the way. Well, and, and I think, you know, Karina, you're, you're, you're spot on there because I, th I think really what it comes down to as well is having that confidence and belief in yourself. You know, what, one of the uh, um, sort of phrases I've developed in the past couple of years is about unleashing your inner awesomeness. You know, I, I, I firmly do believe that each and every one of us does have incredible awesomeness built inside of us. It's just that very few of us take the time and take the steps and go past the fear, as you mentioned there, to actually fully unleash that that inner awesomeness you know and i think it really does stem from a lot of like i said you know just, just lack of confidence in, in oneself you know i think it also speaks to the fact that from where we can do a better job especially when i think about my own kids and uh, you know, future generations i think we need to do a better job of instilling confidence in our kids and again that doesn't necessarily mean giving everyone a participation ribbon uh or saying you're all winners uh but recognizing that uh whether it's a win or a loss, your your value doesn't change, right? Um, you know, I, I think you know as a, as a whole, I I think about like I said those opportunities to make a more confident, you know, uh, or greater confidence in future generations. Uh, I I think that's an area which will allow us as humans as a as a collective race to solve even more problems, right? Like if, if people had more confidence to do things, I think society as a whole would be in a uh, in a much much better uh, space. I love Sarah Blakely's, um, she always quotes this in regards to her dad and her growing up. Her dad would always ask her, and I think her brother, um, and she had said something about, you know, it was on a daily asking, like, what did you fail at today, right? They embraced failure because failure is only growth, right? Yes. If you're willing to look at it 
and see it as a, um, it's changing the narrative and your perception on failure. It's an opportunity to grow. Is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. But that's growth. Like anything, any, anytime you grow, it's uncomfortable. It feels awkward at first. Um, but you have to give yourself grace and, you know, it's so true. If more people, you know, would just see, you know, the positive and then these, what people think is like failure moments and, you know, they would not feel as much fear on, um, embarking on their dreams and goals and aspirations and being their true authentic self. I think that's that's so true. And that's like the the growth mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, having that recognition. And I love how you, you put it there, right. Is that, you know, that's where tremendous, uh, growth happens, right. If we are to be better as people be better, whether it be in in a personal sense or in a professional sense, right. You have to make those mistakes, right. You have to, you have to learn, right. By having that right mindset, because, you know, people, there's often that stigma around failure, right. And we still mm-hmm. have that in society today where, right. You now if someone fails at something, oh, that person must be an idiot or that person screwed up, right. There's still a, a stigma in that, but failures can, can and will propel you to, uh, uh, uh amazing feats of greatness and, uh, to, 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 uh, um, amazing levels of success, right. You need those failures, to get to that point, you look at any successful um, entrepreneur, any of the, you know, the the billionaires, right, from the Amazons to Microsofts or or what have you, or even you you look at from uh, even the sporting world, right? Any successful athlete, they've all overcome adversity. They've all uh, learned and grown better from failures in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if Disney movies have taught us nothing else, right? Heroes always rise up from those failures. Right. So when those things do happen to you in life, right, you can, you know, you can just sort of shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, you know, here's another failure. Or again, you can internalize that. You can learn from that. Right. You can systemize what you learn and to, like I said, propel that to greater greatness. The, I think the, the, to be truly smart isn't always about getting the answers right all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's about knowing, recognizing when you're wrong, learning that and just going, from that and, and learning. That's what the truly smart people do. Smart people get the, get things wrong all the time. Right? What separates them from average people is that they learn from it. Right? Um, that, yes. that to me is, is, is that the thin line of greatness. So since we're on the topic of, you know, failures and struggles, um, you know, being an entrepreneur or, or even just getting to the point that you have, right, where you've, you know, had difficulties, you know, with maybe, you know, I'm, you've shared with us in regards to your um, professor, but, you know, there was doubt and you continue to persevere and then you went through corporate and becoming an entrepreneur and a business owner. It's not always rainbows and butterflies, right? There's, there is those struggles and those difficulties. But I think that sometimes our most darkest and most difficult moment when we come out of it, because we always do, that is literally can be your most proudest moment in your life when you look back and you're like, gosh, I did it. I went through it. Um, Share with us just a little bit about, you know, some of the struggles that you've seen as um, getting into the cybersecurity um, industry and becoming an entrepreneur and how you've overcome it. Yeah, for sure, Karina. You know what? I'd say one that really sticks out in my mind that I often 
think about you know, even, even to this day is uh, when I, this is probably in year three uh, as, as an entrepreneur, uh, I was taking a lot of opportunities just because it was hard to come by. You know, it, it wasn't like how it is today where my calendar is always jam packed. Like I'd look at my calendar for the week and I'd be lucky if there's two meetings <laughs> that's scheduled, you know? So um, I, I took this uh, uh, opportunity uh, with, with, a, with a, a client, um, but it ended up being something which I overstretched myself, right? I was too eager. I just thought, I said, yes, 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 I can do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, without really taking the time to thoughtfully understand what it was, was, being asked for and if I could actually fulfill that. And after the first two weeks, I realized I was way over my head. And um, I went to them and I said, you know what? I'm just, uh, I could keep BSing my way through this, uh, but I'm not. Um, This is, I said yes when I shouldn't have. Um, I'm not going to bill for any of the the time or uh, energy that I've spent on this so far. Uh, I'm happy to see if I can connect you with someone else in my network that might be able to help. Uh, I came from a place of, of um, just being very, very truthful and, and vulnerable that I was just over my head. Um, and, you know, I, I was really scared about doing that. And they were just really nice about it. You know, they say, you know what, that's, we're really glad that you said that. And they say, you know, we've had that happen before and people mm-hmm. build us. Uh, they said, we're still happy to pay you for your time. I said, no, 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 it, it's, I shouldn't, should not have said yes. Uh, and to me, that became even clearer um, cause at the time like I said, it was, I was just chasing clients after that point forward, um, just amazing opportunities kept, kept coming. Right. Uh, I didn't, I had, to, I didn't have to chase things anymore. I could now say yes to the ones I really wanted to help. And I'd say no to the ones where I felt weren't the right fit. Um, and you know, it, it was, like I said, it was just very serendipitous that way that th- at that point in time, that's when things changed, you know? So I look back at that sort of moment somewhat fondly because I recognize that that, yeah. that was a, uh, a tipping point where, where things started to change. And when I realized that when I changed my mindset from saying yes to everyone and chasing things and taking the time and recognizing that there is value in saying no, because, um, you know, to me, uh, I know this is other people say this as well, but I believe no is being a powerful redirection. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm by saying no to that, I'm being redirected somewhere where, where I can really make a difference, where I can really help someone. I just need to have that inner confidence to say no. Sharing that is truly very valuable for anyone listening because um, the part where you actually went to them and said, look, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have taken this. You know, too many people probably, you know, either ghost the situation and, you know, they they wouldn't even want to own up to it. Even if they don't accept um, any money, They, I find that people... F- um, take the easier route of ghosting uh, and they're, you know, can't be, so they can't be held accountable for, you know, making these promises. But, you know, when you face those types of moments, especially when you're becoming an entrepreneur, you realize that people are going to honor and respect you more that you came up to them and were forthright about the situation or instead of giving poor quality or, you know, crappy experience, you know, people really love the authenticity. I feel like that is really our word for this episode is, (laughs) you know, truly your authentic self and sharing that because, um, 
it's just super unfortunate how easy it is to kind of disappear from you know, when you're not having to see their face every single day, um, you don't have to be held accountable. But really, you know, in the end, you realize that it's a small world. Every industry is very, very small. And, you know, word gets around and you will literally be known as that type of person. But when mistakes happen in business, um, you know, even for my company with construction cleaning, you know, we've made a mistake where like, We've had an issue where um, we couldn't get enough cleaning um, people on a job site. We, you know, maybe totally made a mistake and didn't schedule um, on the right day. And we owned up to it and it's really owning up to it. And you see that they're much more understanding and there's kindness and you're known as someone who's... um, you know, trustworthy, hey, I made this mistake, or, you know, here's the situation where we've come, you know, heads with is, you know, you need five, you need 10 cleaners, and all I have is five right now. And I know you need, but can we work together? Can we do something to make sure that, you know, your needs are met? And it's really all about being open in your communication. And you know what, Dominic, honestly, as I'm like thinking about all this, I'm like, I love it because I look at my industry and I'm like, I I provide construction cleaning, right? But you utilize your um, your entrepreneurialism and your company as a vehicle to do so much good. And I see that that's what you're doing with cybersecurity. It's, you know, your vehicle that maybe most people are like, well, how can this be interesting? How can this be funny? How can you make this, you know humanizing to me so that I can understand it and really wrap my head around it. And, and you're like, yes, I can. And I'm going to make it where it is humanizing and you can connect with it. And you see it as so much more than just cybersecurity. What motivates you? What keeps you motivated through everything? Oh gosh, that, that is a, that is a good question. You know, I, I'd say there's, there's two things, you know, one is that, um, you know, I want my kids to see the value of being a hard worker and, and recognizing that um, there's value in following your passion, right? There's value in being very passionate about what you do, regardless of what it is, uh, that chasing money is, isn't the, the goal or key to unlocking happiness in life. It's being true to who you are, being true to your authentic self and uh, doing things that you find meaningful and um, you know, provi- provide meaning to, 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 to the people that, that you serve. Um, I want my kids to see that, you know, I, I'm really thankful that, especially during the pandemic, that my four-year-old James has pretty much been in every single work meeting I've had, uh, you know, working from home. And uh, he's, he's, he's seen me in, in, in lack of better term, in action. He's seen how I act on, the, on a daily basis. And um, I'm very grateful for that because uh, I, that's what keeps me motivated, right? I, I want, at the end of the day, I can have all the professional accolades, um, but to me, they're meaningless. You know, I, 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 at the end of the day, I want to be remembered knowing that I'm James's dad, I'm Audrina's dad, that they went on to do amazing things and change the world in, in ways that were unimaginable. Um, that, that's what motivates me. So if I can prepare them to do that mm-hmm. um, through I'm doing now, um, then that's what motivates me at the end of the day. Um, the other you know, sort of more professional motivation is that um, 
I, I genuinely do like what I do. You know, uh, I genuinely do feel that there is, I have a calling, especially, like I said, you know, not necessarily in the technical weeds, mm-hmm. but being able to communicate this subject to people that need to understand it, uh, to be able to present to boards or executives and in the way that they'll understand and, you know, not be bored to tears, uh, about it. Um, that's, that's what motivates me every, every single day as well. How, how many years has your company been in business? So, uh, unless my math is horribly wrong, and it easily could be, um, I believe this is our eighth year of, of uh, existence. So, 2022, we're we're entering our, our eighth year as a uh, as a company, you know. And um, I'm very grateful that we're at a spot now where I feel we're entering uh, scalability, where we're growing as an organization, and that's tremendously exciting. So, what would you say that is really the differentiator between you and another company that offers? cybersecurity advisory? I'd say the key difference is that is the is the humanity piece, you know, um, at the end of the day, I truly believe in just being a good person and in developing Mm -hmm. relationships, you know, Um, I I think back to my corporate days with all the security companies I had to deal with. And I was felt like a transaction, I felt like I was there as part of a transactional relationship, uh, that they actually didn't care about who I was. And if they did ask, you know, how so-and-so doing, I felt like they were reading off a cue card. Uh, They were really vested in the relationship. Um, We're different in that we're relationship first. At the end of the day, I always tell people, um, if you reach out to us for help, I don't care if I help you directly or indirectly, right? At the end of the day, you come to us with a problem, whether I send you to a competitor or someone else, I just Mm -hmm. want to know that I help you. Uh, Cybersecurity is a very um, difficult area very you know difficult to understand for a lot of non-technical people um at the end of the day like i said i just want to help people whether i make money off it is is irrelevant so you are you also specialize in starting and helping startups small to mid-sized companies and i think that we don't think as a startup company or a small business that you you know cybersecurity is not applicable to businesses like that right and so you're like check marks all the things that i need to to get done my insurance you know making sure i have telephone lines fax number you know like kind of like the normal office stuff what would be some of the key suggestions or advice on you know these startup businesses and um small to mid-sized companies and why it's important for them to make sure that this is one of the key components to their company as well. Uh, that, that's a really great question, Karina. And one I have you know, refined over time and I always have different iterations. So there's a good chance if you ask me next year, I'll give you a slightly different answer. <laughs> but to me right now, and I, I try to keep it super succinct and, and concrete, there's two things that any business, regardless of size, should be doing when it comes to cybersecurity. Number one is use what's called multi-factor authentication on all your email accounts or any uh, accounts that are uh, what's referred to as externally facing. Mm-hmm. So if you use a remote platform to log into your internal systems, it needs to have multi-factor authentication. And for your listeners and viewers who don't know what that is, that's basically going beyond username and password. Mm-hmm. It's where on your phone, maybe you're sent a PIN via a text message or via what's referred to as an authenticator app to your phone, and that adds an extra layer of protection. The reason being is that 
passwords are an incredibly archaic way of securing things. Uh, they worked well in the 60s, right through probably the mid 90s, uh, but they've been broken since then. <laughs> but yet we continue to use them. So uh, it's really important to leverage multi-factor authentication. Pretty much every modern platform, Microsoft, Google, they all have it built in. It's literally a matter of just turning it on. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two is, again, if you're a business owner, you're an executive, CEO, CFO, COO, uh, the, one of the first questions you need to ask around cybersecurity is what is our most important or critical data, right? What is the data that absolutely is the lifeblood of this organization? Identify that. After you've done that, identify what systems, whether it be internal IT systems or third-party uh, tools or platforms, which systems support that data, right? And then the third one to that is who has access to that? Right? You need to make sure that that is supremely locked down. At the end of the day, firm believer that you know, if you take the, the time to restrict who has access to what, that's the same reason why my kids don't have access to my liquor cabinet. If they can't <laughs> access it, they can't do anything with it. Yes. Right? So make sure you focus on your organization's crown jewels, things that are most important in this digital age, uh, and make sure that they're properly secure. But again, you need to know what they are, where they are, and who has access to it. That's all, and and it sounds very um, easy to do, right? Like it's super simplistic, but yet it can offer, um, you know, a wider range of security that I'm going to say, I just realized that I don't think I have that on my email, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and the uh, multiple, uh, authentic, Say the word for me, authentication. Multi-factor authentication or MFA. <laughs> I don't have that on my email. And so now I'm like, oh, crud, I need to make sure that we have that because it is so true, right? Like anyone can go on there and start hacking away and, or, you know, lock you out. And I would be in huge trouble, honestly, if I didn't have access onto my email because I get at least a minimum of a hundred emails. I mean, I, I feel like a day, like that is just, and it doesn't stop. And so my life is like, my lifeline is in my email. So thank you, Dominic, for that reminder that <laughs> I need to do that for myself. You know, before we end, I have loved that you have talked multiple times about mindset. How do you feel that mindset has really helped you throughout your journey in life? Uh, that, that's a really profound question. You know, to, to me, someone's mindset is, is everything. You know, if you have a negative mindset and a very jaded mindset, a very cynical mindset, um, you know, you're just going to keep attracting negative energy to you. I, I'm a firm believer in positive energy, positive vibrations, and that the frequency that you're operating on attracts other things and other people and other opportunities that are on that frequency. So if you're always stuck in a negative, you know, what was me mindset, you're never going to get out of sort of mm -hmm. that, that off of despair, right? If you really want to get to the mountains of enlightenment and to really do amazing, awesome things, you need to be able to uh, think more positively, right? You need to be able to have a mindset where you're focusing on growing, where you're focusing on helping others, where you're not just always focusing on yourself, right? To me, the mindset is that conduit that allows that energy to be able to be traversed across the universe, across the world, right? Because once you start attracting people and opportunities and events and things that are on that frequency, 
all of a sudden now you can really start realizing your true self. Uh, but like, like you said there, Karina, it really starts with that mindset. Mm-hmm. The mindset is really everything that, that un- unlocks it all. And do you feel like you always had that type of mindset or is it something that you've developed over time? Um, no, it's, it's evolved over time. It, it was not something I was born with. Um, I was always a very, fairly quiet, fairly shy uh, person, um, but I was always very interested in learning more about myself mm-hmm. and recognizing that who I was as a 16 year old was going to be very different than when I was 36 or 50 or 60, mm-hmm. uh, that as an individual, I'm going to go through different versions of me, right? This is my current version. It's an improved version of previous versions yeah. of me. Uh, just as I, I think about my kids as well, I like to think that my kids will be improved versions of, of, of myself as well. You know, so um, to me, it's recognizing that life is a journey that, you know, there are various stages in life. Uh, and if you stay the same person from, you know, when you're young till you're old, um, I think you've missed out on a great portion of life there. Um, it's really, like I said, part of the fun part of life, I think, is discovering again and again who you are and what you're made of. So, so incredibly powerful because it's sharing with other people that it's not something that you're born with. A mindset is not always just given to us. Like I, you're not born and being the most positive person. I have a, a daughter who she's my second daughter and she struggles. She's more of a pessimistic and sees, um, you know, glass half empty, but the desire in her, cause I work with her in regards to, you know, we are what we believe and we are going to achieve what we believe. And maybe it doesn't come to us naturally, but if you have the desire to learn and to change, you will, you will evolve. And I see that with my daughter and I see it, you know, with her and her evolution of, you know, she may not always see it, but from how she was when she was, you know, she's 16 now. So let's say when she was 13 to how she is today, she has changed so much. And, and I know that as she continues to grow and cultivate her mindset, she's going to continue to improve with it becoming easier for her, right? Like it will get to a point where you're like, wow, yeah, like it is easier than how it was before, right? Maybe you had the desire, but you had to really like coax yourself, right? Like sometimes we don't want to be positive. Like, I mean, at least that goes with me. Sometimes I'm like, that's it. I give up. I want to be angry. And then I'm like, Karina, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're going to like get over it and you're going to move on and you're going to, you know, continue to be a positive and loving person. But, you know, sometimes you can feel jaded for a really long time, but if you are somebody who's open and wanting to learn and to grow, nothing has to come naturally to you right? Any, anybody who has the desire, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be a learned trait. It can be a, a, a sport. It can be, um, you know, a job opportunity. If you have the desire to learn, you will, you will become what you want to be. So I love that you shared that. Dominic, I know that people are going to want to know, you know, 
more about you and then also probably have questions in regards to cybersecurity. And since you have such a great and creative and comedic way of sharing this wealth of knowledge, where can our listeners find you? I, I appreciate you asking that, Karina. I mean, um, I, I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn. So uh, for your viewers and listeners, the, please feel free for them to, to, to reach out and connect or follow me. I, I tend to post uh, uh, daily. Um, Lovin isn't often about security. It's about, like I said, personal values and things that I like to share about me as a person. So I would love to connect with your listeners and, and viewers on, on LinkedIn. Uh, if they're interested in learning more about the company, they can go to cyber.sc. Uh, like Santa Claus. Um, uh, there's no pictures of me dressed like Santa, but uh, just, <laughs> that's just the name. <laughs> uh, and then you can see you can see the um, uh, what our services are, who we help. Um, there's a, a, a great um, piece there also about our cybersecurity course, which again is a basically a DIY approach to cybersecurity. So if you're a small business, basically fewer than 20 employees, and you want to start your cybersecurity journey before you bring in maybe an advisory company like us. Um, it's a great low cost uh, way, about $300 uh, US to start. And then you can start sort of like I said, that DIY approach. It's sort of like watching YouTube videos of putting in a dishwasher before you decide to call in a professional. So yeah. uh, we think it's a great resource, a lot of great templates and policies and ways to, to start your cybersecurity journey. Um, and I know you mentioned at the top about the Cybersecurity Matters podcast, which you were an yes. amazing guest, by the way. <laughs> um, I was. It was very do, exciting. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, please do uh, feel free to check that out as well, Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Uh, again, most of our guests, Karina notwithstanding, we, we really focus on cybersecurity uh, and again, making it really understandable and getting to the root of why it matters. So if you're a business owner, an executive, you want to learn more about what you should know in your role, check out that podcast. Like I said, it, it's a 15, 20 minutes. We keep it short to the point. Uh, and like I said, we have a wide range of amazing guests that we have uh, had on. So those would be the best ways of finding me and finding my content online. Amazing. And do you have anything that's upcoming that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, yes, Karina. And, uh, going back to the, the, the course there, we're sort of relaunching uh, the, uh, the course there. Uh, we're going to be having, uh, originally we priced it around $700, so I believe starting in April uh, 2022 uh, for about six months. Um, or maybe it's longer, I don't quite remember now, but we are going to be extending uh, lower prices for uh, for people uh, to sign up for the course. Like I said, it's something which we spent the better part of almost uh, probably close to a year building and getting out there. We wanted to really get it to a point where it would really be something which is tangible for small businesses and those micro businesses. Uh, so do check that out. It's cyber.sc slash security course. Um, do check that out. There's also a link through the cyber.sc uh, main page as well. Uh, so for any of your viewers and listeners that do work in, like I said, in a small business or own a small business and are not sure about the full advisory stuff that, that CyberSC does, that's a great low cost way of starting, like I said, your cybersecurity journey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dominic. And truly, if Dominic has the capability of changing the narrative of cybersecurity into something that is fun, exciting, and innovative, and everything is possible, right? You take something that, you know, what you said is like um, the tech mumbo jumbo where people are like, oh my gosh, what are they even saying, you know? But you have a passion behind it and Dominic is a great resource behind that and can truly help humanize 
and make things so much easier for you on the cybersecurity end and to feel comfortable in understanding it and protecting yourself and your business. Thank you again, thank you again Dominic, for um, being a part of the show. You've been amazing and I've loved learning more about you. Karina, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on the show today. Blessed by your friendship, blessed by this opportunity. Thank you so, so, so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Dominic.